and welcome to another episode of the Focus Seacast. I'm your host, Corey, aka Focus, and in this episode, I'm talking with Chris of Esoteric Agriculture about breeding and raising chickens. Chris has been breeding chickens for a while and raises mainly fighting breeds. If you check out Chris's YouTube, he's got an awesome video called Oriental Game Fowl, where you can see uh, pictures and videos of a lot of the chickens he's raising. Um, we also talk a little bit about ducks and raising goats as well. But before we get into the episode, I've updated my website for the 2023 growing season, so there are a ton of new vegetable and herb varieties up there for sale, many grown by myself and uh, some grown by Chris as well as Lars of Yonder Mountain Nursery. A lot of great pepper varieties, a lot of new squash varieties, so definitely check it out and get ready for the growing season. That's focusseeds.com. Focus is spelled P-H-O-C-A-S. Now, without any further delay, let's get to the episode. How's it going, Chris? It's going well. Yeah. Thanks. Good, good. Yeah, so I thought we'd uh, talk about chickens and uh, chicken breeding and maybe some goats if we have some time. But uh, but I started doing some chickens this year, and I know you uh, you definitely have some interesting chickens, so thought it'd be cool sure. to talk about that. So, um, so how did you get into the whole chicken thing? So my grandfather and my father both were very interested in raising purebred or standard bred livestock and especially the show scene. Uh, my grandfather was tremendously dedicated livestock showman. Uh, and he had bred and showed goats, dogs, chickens, rabbits, pigeons, all sorts of stuff. And it was a lifelong passion of his. And he drug along his children and grandchildren, drug everyone into that. Um, that's how I got into it basically. And learned a lot from my grandfather, learned a lot from my dad and just grew up kind of going to, you know, all the uh, farm shows and county fairs and that kind of thing. Cool. Yeah. It's nice when it's like a multi-generational thing and you have that experience kind of like, especially when you're younger. And I noticed yes. here too, like, I don't know, it's kind of sad. Like I've noticed over the last few years, like the ag shows have been like kind of declining on the ag part and becoming more just like food, <laughs> which is a little, yeah. little, you know, a little bit of a bummer, but I think there's going to be a resurgence. Yep. Um, yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like uh, unfortunately, like the older generation is kind of, dying off and then there was this kind of like middle where people stopped doing that but it seems like my generation is kind of picking that back up um and so hopefully people are are still able to learn you know like you were from like their grandparents yeah. and stuff who are still around so yes. um so like when did you actually start doing your own uh breeding and did you did you start with chickens yeah i started with chickens i mean so chicken breeding i started doing in a meaningful way in 2008 so I've been breeding chickens on my own uh, for 14 years. Um, I've been breeding animals since I was a kid. Um, I have bred over the years, uh, guinea pigs, rabbits, hamsters, gerbils, mice, rats, uh, various types of fish, cichlids, guppies, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I just was really into like raising and breeding animals. Um, and then later in life, I got more into also like trying to breed plants. 
but I, I definitely started animals. Cool. So, um, what kind of, what kind of, um, breeds of chickens do you have now? Currently I have Cubileas, Aceals, and Melee. All of those are, will be classified as, uh, Oriental game fowl or Asiatic hard feather breeds. They're all breeds that were originally used for fighting. Um, but in, you know, realistically for the most part in today's world, they're used for poultry shows, uh, pets, um, enjoyment, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that <laughs> they, they yeah. were all fighting breeds. It's kind of, it's kind of funny. Um, yeah. I, have you noticed that like, are they kind of like more on the aggressive side or is that like been basically bred out of them at this point? So that's a complex topic. I'll try to make it simple. A good fighting breed chicken should be docile to humans. That doesn't always happen, but you want them to be docile to humans. Um, and typically the vast majority of the ones I've raised have been quite good with people, uh, sometimes exceptionally tame, very docile, which is what you want, right? Because an animal that's trained to fight and is exceptionally fast, exceptionally strong, you don't want attacking you. That'd be very bad. So typically they don't. However, they can be really appallingly aggressive with each other. Um, the ACLs are the worst. The Cubileas are not much worse than a regular chicken. And the, the Melees I've only had a year's experience with, but so far they've not been much worse than a regular chicken. Um, which, I mean, male regular chickens fight, okay? But they usually don't fight to the death. And sometimes hens will fight and sometimes even hens will fight to death for who knows why, but it's not often. Uh, ACLs are like a whole different bucket, man. Those guys, they'll fight as chicks. They'll fight to the death as chicks. Females will fight each other to the death. Sometimes the females will kill the males. Like they're just like really crazy. Um, so, so how do you, how do yeah. you deal with that? How many do you, do you, do you like yeah i don't know like how many do you have do you have to keep a small population and separate them or something or if you're going to keep huge numbers you need a huge number of small pens and i've never had more than six or eight at any one time right now i only have four and i mean that's i should say adults that's six or eight adults at any one time because it just becomes impossible to keep much more than that because at some point you have to split them all up and you can't run them in a group so that gets really difficult. So there are people who have large numbers of them. I don't have the space or the time to manage more than uh, four to six at a time, which is the most I've ever had. So adults. Okay. Yeah. So then breeding them, uh, like that's got to be difficult too, to put, <laughs> put a, put a rooster yeah. in or put a hen in and hopefully instead of killing each other, they <laughs> yeah. procreate. Yeah. I mean, you get like a sense of it eventually, um, what's going to work and what's not, uh, typically, but it is, they're challenging chickens to raise. So not a lot of people want to raise things that are that, uh, pugnacious. Um, they do have a lot of nice attributes about them. Okay. They're really healthy. They're hardy, make great mothers. Uh, they seem intelligent. They, you know, real nice looking chickens, real clean, you know, but, there's some difficulties in raising them. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Sure. I yeah, I didn't even think about that uh that aspect of it. Um no, I have uh Buff Orpingtons right now and I got 13 of them. There's five roosters and so far they haven't really attacked each other too much. Um they're all together as chicks too, so I know sometimes yeah. that has, you know, a lot to do with it when you try to introduce um, you know, birds from outside the original flock. Uh they've been a couple of roosters been mean with the hens but not not nothing too too bad. Um I just need to kind of get rid of a few just because just there's because there's a lot of them, you know, no other reason. But yeah, I, I, I just didn't totally did not consider that with uh with chicken breeding, especially the breeds you have, because they look, you know, super beautiful. And I didn't even realize yeah. that uh that's what they originally were bred for. Um, yeah. So do you like uh, are the are the hens, do they make pretty good laying hens, too? Or uh, like or are they just mm. um, out, out of the ones that I have? So the ACLs are the worst layers for sure um they hardly lay any eggs they lay enough eggs to reproduce the breed and that's it um scarcely more than like what a wild animal would um the cuba layers and the melees both are, are reasonably good layers um they're not going to lay like a any hen that you'd buy at the feed store okay or from a hatchery generally but i would say that it's reasonable they tend to take a lot of breaks for no good reason, basically. Um, so egg production tends to be kind of spotty. I used to track the Cubalea's egg production pretty steadily when I first had them. And then the Melee's I tracked this year and I thought it was surprisingly good. Um, you know, it's, it's reasonable, but it's not like, they're not a chicken that you're gonna want if egg laying is your primary purpose. Yeah. Don't lay well enough for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if it was still worth to keep them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If you, yeah. Yeah. If you still wanted to kind of maybe get some eggs or something. Um, so, what I usually do is at, at any given point in time to make sure we have enough eggs, I usually keep like three to six ordinary feed store laying hens. And I pick up two or four new ones every year. And that way I get closer to always having eggs. Um, yeah, my normal, like my, uh, all my fancy chickens, we get inundated with eggs in the spring. They all lay really great in the spring. So I'll have way more eggs than I ever know what to do with. But then by midsummer to fall, it really slacks off. And like right now I haven't got any eggs in the last week and I have like 30 chickens. Um, so that's pretty disappointing. So, but that's how it is every year. Oh, Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so then uh, I'm curious. Like, so how do you how do you like um, as far as like feeding them and um, like keeping them? I know you said a little bit about having to keep them separate pens and stuff, but I'm curious yep. how you kind of make that all work logistically. Okay, I have a one large pen that is about eight by twelve feet. It's a walk-in pen, and that pen has access to my barnyard and ultimately the pasture. Um, I don't always let them out in the barnyard or in the pasture, especially I don't let them out when I'm growing stuff. Like most years I grow a crop in the barnyard. So I don't let them out there when that happens. Okay. Um, the big pen is all my general laying hens. So it's hens that can be kept together that are either layers or they're hens. I'm not currently using to breed. It might be young birds that I'm growing up and they're not old enough to fight if they're males or they're young females. Um, there's usually one male in with those birds. 
um, all the time, but I'm not necessarily pulling eggs out of there uh, for breeding purposes. That's just for our eating. As far as the feed goes, they always have free choice of the oyster shell uh, stuff. They always have free choice of some kind of grit. Once a day, I give them some sort of layer feed and it could be uh, mash, crumbles, pellets, whatever. Uh, every other day, I just scatter some kind of grain around for them. That could be corn or oats or sunflower seeds, whatever. All of the, like the random stuff I get from the garden or like if I'm saving tomato seeds and I have a bunch of tomatoes or peppers left, all that goes in for them. I pull at least a five gallon bucket of weeds every day and dump in for them. Sometimes I throw more in. Um, I don't necessarily do all this stuff if they're able to go outside. You know, like right now they're just penned up because I don't want them wrecking up what I have planted in the planted area they access. Um, so I make a big point to always be giving them like a lot of fresh food. So that's the basic feed regime. Um, I have a whole bunch of smaller pens that I have two pens that are about the size of a small bathroom. Um, they're both walk-in pens, but they're not huge, um, maybe four by four. And that is good for keeping like one male and two or three females. And then I have about eight small pens and all of those small pens are probably on the order of like two feet by four feet, give or take. Um, four of those pens are movable that you, I keep outdoors and can move. And four of the pens are immovable and they're fixed in the bar. Um, and that would be for either raising young chicks up, separating aggressive males, keeping a chicken that's injured or sick, keeping a broody hen, while she's sitting on eggs, anything like that, just so I have flexibility to be able to, you know, move birds around the different pens. Cool. Yeah. That's pretty, uh, not intricate, but yeah, it's gotta be a lot to, to keep track of everything and, you know, yep. moving stuff around and all that. Cause I just have everything I have is just in one, you know, I have one electric fence, you know, it's like probably, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't know, probably like, I think it's like, 20 by 20 it's more in a circle but you yeah. know if it's squared it's like 20 by 20 something like that and then i have like an a-frame coop yeah. that's like you know four by six and you know that's that's about it um they're a little little jam-packed in there right now so um i gotta kind of address that but they've, they've been pretty healthy and i do the same thing like just throwing out a bunch of you know either like weeds i pulled or you know waste from the garden seed processing stuff has been great. Like they love, like they come running. If I have like a bucket full, like especially cucumbers right now, cause I've been processing sure. a lot of cucumbers and squash. So yeah. they love that. That's, that's been great. And I do the same thing. Like once a day, I'll just kind of, you know, fill up their feeder a little bit with some, whatever I can get for cheap feed, but, yep. but definitely uh, I've noticed the more, the more stuff I throw in the less they, they go for the feed. So that's good. It um, is good. Yeah. 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 Makes it, makes it easier, but yeah, I, I don't do the crushed oyster shells or anything like that, but, um, probably, I probably should do that. It sounds like that's a, you know, they're just getting whatever grits like in there and they, they, yep. they like dust bath a lot and they're ripping up the grass. So, um, but I don't know, I, I haven't, I haven't been doing this for that long. So I don't know if, I don't know if it's worth doing the oyster shells or, or anything else to kind um, of uh, supplement so that way they're getting more grit or, you know, other nutrients that they need. 
if they have access to soil, they can get the grit and the stones that they need. The oyster shell would be more for their bones and for the eggshells. And where you would definitely want to think about doing that is if you start getting thin-shelled or soft-shelled eggs. If that would happen, then definitely that's the cure. Yeah. If you're not seeing that, it is questionable. A good layer feed theoretically should have enough calcium in it to support all the egg laying needs they have. I tend to get worried about it because I know there's times when I feed them so much garden refuse, basically, that I start to question if they're actually eating enough layer feed to get enough calcium. Yeah, that would kind of be my concern too. Cause like I, I threw in like so many butternut squash the other day, it, you know, and like, they just have so much stuff in there and I was just putting in a little bit of layer feed. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I'll keep an eye on that. They haven't started laying yet. Um, I just got them in April. So hopefully okay. they'll be laying in a month. So they should, I mean, I really would hope that they would start to lay before winter time. If not, they'll certainly come in really strong, probably like in, January, February, but they should start to lay shortly. Yeah, that's what I'm. I mean, they're Orpingtons too, so they're they're a one. You know, they're one of the bigger breeds, and they're not mm-hmm. necessarily bred to be just layers. They're kind of like a yep. du- dual purpose. I don't know if you're familiar with the Orpington breed. I am very familiar. Okay, um, all right. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, I've there's the only chickens I'm not really familiar with are some of like the really new ones that have been imported from overseas, but like anything that's been in the United States for 50 or hundred years or more. I'm pretty familiar with. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's, it seems like they take a little bit longer to start going. Yes, absolutely. Uh, they will. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But once they start, it seems like they they'll they'll pretty much more or less match the output, just not as many eggs um, as like a, you know, a, a breed that's been bred just for laying. So, I mean, I'll yeah, see I mean, they'll lay well. I mean, your benefits to a chicken like that is you're going to get big eggs. Um, they'll lay longer for like a longer um, productive life cycle. Right. So like you might be able to keep them and, you know, have it work out for you for three or four years uh, before you want to think about replacing them Um, instead of more like a one to two, uh, you know, commercial laying hen would be kept for. Um, They'll lay longer than that. Like I just, I had a hen die a couple of days ago that I was trying to think of how old she was and it was either eight or nine years old and she still laid eggs this year. Oh, wow. Like not, not many eggs, like maybe like 20, but like it just declines, you know, year by year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause that's so, what I was worried about. Like having to like bring in um, new chickens every year or hatching my own eggs, which eventually that's what I want to do. But that, that yep. actually, I, I was thinking that they wouldn't lay as long, but um, I guess I was incorrect. I just assumed no, that, because yeah, they were longer. Bridger. Okay. All yeah. right. Just not as many eggs. Like exactly. Yeah. yeah. So okay. yeah. The total number of eggs is basically fixed. It's just like yes. a human or something, right? So like yeah. the eggs is fixed at birth. And the ones that lay like, you know, 300, 400 eggs a year, well, they basically burn through the egg supply quickly. So a chicken or like an Orpington, which is probably going to lay more like 150, 200 a year, they just stretch out that supply longer. Okay. Yeah. Cause so. I knew that they weren't born, uh, with as many eggs. Yeah. So I was assuming it'd be short, but yeah, I get what you're saying is it's, they have, yeah. they might have less eggs overall, but because they're not doing so many a year, the time span is longer. So that makes sense. That's yeah. good to know. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, you're still going to want to replace them at some point. Okay. Um, 
the other thing is you learn if you keep chickens long enough is chickens die. And a mentor of mine early on in raising poultry really pushed that into my head, which is that chickens just die. Um, and it's just the truth and you can do everything right. And you come out one day and there's one dead, you know, and you don't know why, and you're never going to figure out why, <laughs> unless you take them to a pathologist and they may or may not figure out why. So if you, if you keep these birds for like five years, at the end of the five years, you're going to have like, you know, half of what you had because they just died. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I grew up, uh, um, you know, my dad had chickens at various points. Yeah. So I, I wasn't super involved with it, but I was involved yeah. with it enough to kind of, you know, learn basics. But yeah, like I was, I was actually kind of scared because I was uh, like, you know, I, I bought, you know, I had them mailed in as yeah. chicks. And I was like, well, let me get 15 because I know I'm going to kill like two or something, you know, if they're chicks or two are going to die or something. But yeah, here I am. And they all, they all survived. <laughs> None of them died. Except I mean, for that's, yeah. two, except for two that got hit by a bobcat. And so those ones got killed, but that wasn't because I did anything or whatever. Sure. But I, I was mean, like, always, yeah. It's like, it's always something, right? If it's not a hawk or a bobcat, then like the other chickens decide they hate one and they kill it or just get sick and dies for who knows why. And stuff happens, you know? So it's, it's good to always like get more, uh, if not every year, every other year. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So how, like when you're doing your breeding, what, what's your criteria for selections? Like what, do, what are you kind of looking for? Um, um, I mean, so no matter what, if you're doing it right, your first criteria for selection should be overall health, vigor, productivity, temperament. And that really should be the case for any, any kind of animal breeding. Okay. Like that's above all else. Don't worry about color, anything else. Um, so this is like a big question for chickens, but, um, if you, if you pick up the, uh, the American Poultry Association has a standard of perfection, which is like the guide on how to breed chickens. It's been out for since the 1880s, I think. Um, in, in that book, it basically has a bunch of outlines for like basic things to look for and not to look for. Um, and there's other books too. Um, a book that I really like is called The Call of the Hen. I know that's available for free online. Um, and they just, they're old books that just go into like detail of like specifics of what you want to do and do not look for. But a lot of what I'm looking for is size. So, I mean, if I have four cockerels that I'm trying to pick out which one I'm going to take, I'm almost always going to take the biggest one. And I want to take the ones that are like the heaviest, meatiest. I want to take birds that grow fast, that feather out fast, that seem like healthy, vigorous, um, active, their feathers are shiny. They just look healthy, um, have strong heads, strong beaks, um, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, you can, you can like hold and handle the birds and you can get a sense of, uh, their internal capacity. It's sort of hard to explain, but if you can hold one, you can kind of feel like, is this bird skinny and scrawny and narrow, or is this a big, wide, you know, broad bird? Like you almost always want a broader bird you know, or a deeper bird than what you want, um, a thinner, narrower. So those are just like real basic things, but you don't want any kind of deformities. You don't want crooked beaks, crooked toes, crooked feathers. Um, 
anything like that. So. Okay. Yeah. I mean, all like there, yes, there's all kinds of like elaborate, like, yeah, the breed needs to have this kind of like feathers or this tail angle and that kind of stuff. And that's important, but I try to always put that stuff secondarily because overall I want things to be healthy. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, it seems like, I mean, it's same with plant breeding, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're looking for yep. similar kind of, you know, yeah, disease resistance, you know, robustness, health, vigor, that kind of, that kind of exactly. thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, as far as like secondary characteristics, there's, is there anything yeah. that you've kind of like focused on as far as, as, as that goes, like coloration or, or um, feathers or kind of anything like that? Yeah. So, I mean, with, with the Cubileas, that's been fun because uh, they don't officially come in a lot of colors, but hobbyist breeders have created a lot of colors. And that's been fun because I have over the years, or I have right now, some interesting ones that are not official accepted colors that are more like in progress colors. Um, the ones I have right now that I really like are what you would call spangled. It's just like a, uh, if you're familiar with like a millifloor bantam, it's similar to that. It's like you took a white paintbrush and like flicked the chicken with white paint and there's just like random white speckles all over it. Um, those are pretty, um, but I mean, the Cubileas, man, they're a hard chicken to breed. Um, there's a lot of really particular things you want with, uh, those guys and it's hard to make it all line up. So, uh, not a lot of people raise them and raise them well. And because they're hard, um, the ACLs and the melees honestly are a little easier to breed um except that the ACLs are hard to keep um the melees if you're not familiar are enormous and that's really the only downside to them is that they're really cool chickens but they're huge so um, like like orpington size or even bigger than that they're bigger than an orpington they're oh, wow. enormous okay and, <laughs> uh i mean like they're close to the weight of like a jersey giant but they're taller um and they're obviously they eat a lot and you know make a lot of mess you know so that, that's like problematic otherwise like man they'd be awesome because they're they're super chill chickens and like real friendly um and i've been real impressed with them in that sense they're real pleasant to work with holy smokes they're um they're huge okay <laughs> well do they do they make good eating birds then if for them um, being so big it would be reasonable but it would take forever to get there. Um, okay. the, the older cockbird I have is an enormous bird and he's really muscular and filled out. And like, that would make a tremendous bird. Right. But, oh man, it probably took him like two years to get there and the meat's going to be tough by that point. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you, if you killed an eight one, there'd be a lot of meat there, but they don't, they take a long time to get where they're going. The younger cockerels I have now are like scarecrows. They're so skinny. They're just like all legs and neck. They take a long time to fill in. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, so I'm assuming you're not eating many of, uh, many of your birds then, or. I don't eat as many as I used to. Um, I probably only kill about four birds a year for the table. Uh, there was a point mostly like I have children now that are of the age where they're really intensely involved in lots of activities, um, athletic stuff and theater stuff and such. And we're really busy. 
with all that. Um, earlier, when my children were more like babies, uh, man, we'd kill sometimes 50, 70 chickens or ducks or whatever a year. Um, I'm not killing that many anymore because it's just tough. But I've killed a lot of, of uh, poultry for the table. Um, at this point, basically, I'll take like three to five a year that I think this rooster would make a really nice table bird, and I'm not going to keep him for breeding. And those are the ones I'll do. Um, and everything else I just sell. So, oh, okay. It's yeah. just simpler. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping to get to the point where I could do like maybe six to a dozen a year for the table. Like, you know, basically yep. like try to do like one a month or something like that um, would be ideal. But, um, you know, that it's just, yeah, it is a lot of work. Um, and yep. I, and I, I've, I've realized too, like, especially for stuff that you're going to do for yourself, um, like just a rooster or killing a hen, uh, that's not a meat bird. Like, don't even bother plucking it. Um, so that's a good thing to know. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, with my home raised birds, like I generally just skin them. Um, it's way faster and way simpler because generally speaking, you can't cook them quickly. We have to end up putting them in a soup pot for a day or a crock pot for a day to get them to wear their like nice texture. So I just skin them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's not worth it, but yeah. But so. yeah, um, you you uh, you mentioned uh, ducks too. Do you do you uh, do you still raise ducks? I haven't raised ducks in a few years. Um, I have raised ducks, geese, turkeys. Um, ducks are awesome. Ducks make a god awful mess. Uh, man, I have like a love hate relationship with ducks. I always want to get ducks again. I've had ducks since I was a little kid, and I really like them. Wow, they're messy. Um, mostly I've had Muscovy ducks the, the most and Muscovies are really tremendous as a homestead animal. They can forage almost all their own food. The old ones don't very often get picked off by predators. They seem really smart and, you know, really cool animals. They're really healthy. They are notorious for hatching a ton of babies they're almost like rats or rabbits. Like you can start with two muscovies, a male and a female. And a year later, you've got 50 or 60 running around. And that's not on any effort on your part. They just go off somewhere and hatch eggs out. So, and muscovy meat is really good. Um, if you didn't tell someone that it was duck, you would think it was beef. It's very beef-like. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Heard. Yeah. It's excellent meat. Um, Really like having them, but all ducks are messy and just catastrophically messy. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have the perfect property for them too. So eventually, one day, I want to try uh, ducks and Muscovies. Seem to be the way to go. Uh, do you have you have to clip their wings though, right? Because they can fly, right? Oh yeah, um, the males are not great at flying. Like the domesticated males are really big and fat, and they can kind of fly a little, but like it's not much the females can fly real well and they will fly away and that is definitely an issue um i've definitely lost some over the years because they just flew away because i didn't clip their wings fast enough um every time they molt you know they regrow the clip feathers and if you don't think about it and be like yeah i should probably catch her and clip the feathers again like if they get a full set of feathers or close to it again they fly away okay yeah they're just gone <laughs> yeah 
Okay, that's it's that's good to know. I, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, you know, I'll give it a couple years and maybe try them. Got to get the chickens down first. I mean, um, they make uh, egg laying breeds of ducks, and I've had some of those too, uh, khaki Campbells and such like. Um, ducks are great egg layers, and not everyone likes duck eggs. Okay, so my wife and my kids don't really like them. I like them fine, but not everyone does. But if you have the right setup, ducks are definitely more economical to raise than chickens. They can forage more of their own food for sure and are more aggressive, active foragers. Definitely don't need to feed them as much. Okay. Yeah. And you just, you put them in a pen or did you kind of like what the, like free range will like they go into a coop or do you like Um, the, the ducks always just ran around the pasture with like my goats or sheep or whatever I had. Um, it, it just worked better that way. Like I, I would try to pen them up in the wintertime with the chickens. And it's like the worst possible catastrophe. Uh, they just are so messy. Okay. So, so yeah, like a lot, like a larger size pen, like a pasture yes. type pen. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I have almost two acres of fenced pasture. Um, and even if all that space, like the pasture now looks great. And I, that's because I don't have any ducks or geese. And when I had ducks and geese, it always looked really rough. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I could have like a quarter to a half acre. That would be pasture. That would be perfect for ducks. Um, cause there's yeah. some, some wet areas and stuff like that, but I know, I know they will mess it up and make, you know, little ponds and yeah. 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 So that's a figure that out but i think it would be cool and uh yeah I'm, yeah i always go back to wanting to get ducks i really enjoy ducks i really enjoyed geese i had geese for years and they definitely had their advantages at some point when i have more time i will work out a way to have them be less messy there's ways to do it it's just i need to change some of my husbandry practices uh and then i, I will get back into them because i really like them they're fun to have and they're they're practical animals yeah i know uh my godfather had muscovies for years and he loved them so you yeah. know between him telling me about them and and like uh, i you know i've listened to a lot of um survivalist mm-hmm. podcasts with jack spirico and yeah. he always raving about muscovies so at some yeah. point i want to try them out but i'm gonna think i'll give it a little while when i have more time as well i can yeah i mean yeah so there's like I think we should talk quickly about geese. Uh, geese are really underutilized and underthought of. Geese are really great because they can essentially get everything they need from grass and a little grain. Um, and, a, and a goose is a big bird. They're not generally taken by predators. And, and when you go to eat one, there's a lot of meat. So, and if you eat a goose egg, which I've eaten goose eggs, I mean, a goose egg is huge. So, those are all like the great things about geese. The bad things about geese is that they're often really aggressive. They're often really noisy. They're even messier than ducks and they don't produce a lot more geese. Oh, okay. So um, it's more like a wild animal in the sense that like you get basically, well, for me, I don't use incubators. So I just let the females hatch their eggs. So I get one batch a year. So whatever the eggs they would lay and hatch, that's how many gosms I get in a year. 
Okay. So, uh, do you do the same thing with chickens? You use an incubator for them, or you just let the the hens just do the let the hens do all the work? Um, okay. Never use an incubator, and um, I probably should, but I don't. And my <laughs> grandfather taught me how to do it on scale without an incubator, and that's how I've always done it. Okay. Um, well. Hey, I mean, that's, uh, in my opinion, that's the way to go. You don't have to worry about technology. You don't have to worry about any of this stuff. And, and, you know, and the birds that you're going to hatch are definitely going to be, uh, you know, healthy and vigorous if they make it. So, you know, Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of great things about it. It just, it limits you to some extent. You can hatch more birds if you use an incubator. Absolutely. Um, although I have hatched well in excess of a hundred birds a year, just using, you know, hens, uh, easily so you know you can still hatch numbers um, but i could probably triple that if i use an incubator okay so well i'll have to i'll have to uh go into more detail i don't know you know we won't do it now but yeah. i'm definitely gonna be asking you some questions one because i i, I want to try that next uh next spring for sure um, yeah cool um, orbington should should uh, you should be able to get some of those um your pullets, as they get older and become hens, some of them should want to become mothers. They probably won't all want to do it, but some of them will. Yeah, that's one reason why I decided to do Orpingtons is because they're, you know, some of them, they have broody hens and they will hatch their own yeah. eggs. Um, yeah. So, you know, but I did take that into consideration when I got that breed. Because um, I was thinking about, yeah, you know, I want you get buying an incubator and doing all that stuff, but I kind of also wanted to just try to, you know, see what nature could do and if I can help along the way and make it work. And, you know, that's my opinion. That's the best way to do it. So, but, but I'll see when the time comes. Um, I don't know if you wanted to take a little bit of time and uh, talk about goats quick. Um, Sure. Um, Anything specific you want me to get into? Well, um, I don't know. I, I took care of goats back when I was in college and, you know, I've always wanted to get some again. Uh, definitely want to use them for land clearing. Cause that's kind of what we did and it worked out pretty yep. good. Uh, there's some things they didn't work well doing, but for the most part, they, you know, just definitely take out large areas of overgrown, you know, plants. That uh, is, sure. that is for sure. There is, there's definitely things goats won't eat, but there's not many. Um, yeah, the pasture, when I got my pasture, it had had cattle on it for, possibly as long as 80 or 100 years um and cattle are selective there's a lot of stuff they don't eat so it was full of ridiculous weeds um shrubs uh, multiflora roses and autumn olives um, thistles and all manner of garbage like that poison ivy (laughs) so right now it's just grass and clover um and that's mostly the goats and I mow once a year, but that's mostly been the goats. Um, so goats, nice. goats will clear land. If you're going to use goats to clear land, just get the cheapest goats you can get because it doesn't matter that much. And honestly, like some random goats are probably going to be better at that than purebred goats, which some of the purebred goats constitutionally are not as rugged as you would like to hope they were. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We had, we had boar. Um, and I would like a larger breed too, just cause when they're done, you know, we can 
you can eat them and get a lot of meat out of them. Like I'm not, I'm not going to get yeah. goats and milk them or do anything like that. Um, yeah. It's basically going to be for land clearing and then probably for meat. And then I don't know if I'd yeah. do it every single year. Um, mm-hmm. I'd probably get a pig or something like that or, or two Muscovies or rabbits if I wanted consistent meat. It's a little bit more, you know, they're yeah. a little bit easier, um, like stuff like that to work with goats. Goats can get a little, uh, they get crafty and they can be a lot to manage sometimes. Goats are, are a lot to manage. Um, I mean, I like them. Um, yeah, my grandfather raised goats. They milked goats on, on a pretty big scale for years. Um, big scale for like milking goats. It's not like milking cows, but um, we don't, I don't milk goats. Uh, we started out with pygmy goats because that was easy to get. And honestly, pygmy goats are like a really good gateway goat because they are really hardy, and really tough, really easy to care for. So great to start out with. And then we gradually worked ourselves into four goats. Um, and now everything we have is at least 75% boar. Uh, most of them are more than that. Really most of them are purebred at this point. So okay um, uh, and do, yeah. do you keep them for meat or just basically for like just just for pets more or less um so the goats in theory we keep them for meat although we haven't had one butchered in several years i've just been selling them lately because the price we get for the goats is really high the last three to five years and it just always seems better to just sell them outright rather than have one butchered um, yeah, we just get a lot of money for them right now. Um, there, we, it helps to have the goats to clear the pasture. Uh, the manure is really useful. So that's really super helpful. So it's the manure, clear the pasture. We like having them. Um, I sell them. I don't know if I actually make any money on it. I doubt it, but I think we, some days, some years we come close to covering costs. <laughs> um that's not accounting for like the manure and stuff again i think if i would actually like account for like all the manure and stuff we get it it would be better than breaking even but um yeah so i mean and i i've processed some myself and i've sent some to the butcher too uh over the years back when the you know price of goats were much lower um we would process or have them processed most of the excess every year like this year, we'll take six to the auction. Um, so, okay. Um, so you're you're doing like the breeding yourself then? Yep. Okay. Yeah, we have a, a buck uh, right now. I really like the buck we have. He's a purebred boar goat. He's a good looking goat, but he has been just an excellent temperament. He is like a really docile, calm, gentle goat. It's not excessively stinky, so I'm really reluctant to get rid of that goat. I want to keep him until he's no longer producing babies. So, because oftentimes we'll get a buck and they get mean or they get ridiculously stinky. Um, and he's just been like a real gentleman. He's a nice goat. Okay. How, how old is he? I think he's three going on four. Uh, I think he'd be four in January. I mean, he still has some good productive years left in him. Um, but I mean, at some point here, probably in, in like the eight, nine year range, we're going to start to see a drop off in uh, kidding numbers. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, that's a, that is a lot of work, man. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I, I, I never tried to breed goats, but just trying to take care of them and stuff is, is you know, is, is a chore. Yeah. And then I had another friend of mine who had probably like a dozen goats and like it was every week he'd be like, oh, they got out again. Oh, they got out again. So I don't know if you had, I, had a deal. Like I, that I haven't much. had him get out too much. Um, you know, like uh, my grandfather would tell me that if a fence won't hold water, it won't hold goats. Yeah, and that's pretty much where it's at. Um, if you have a really good fence, you don't get the goats out unless you leave the gate open. Um, I think once or twice they've gotten out, and it's because someone left the gate open. Oh, okay. In which case, we get them herded back in pretty easy. But the uh, they get stuck in fences a lot. Um, you know, that's the annoying thing. I had one get stuck yesterday and the day before, um, especially because the boars in there have horns. The younger ones want to reach through a fence with their head and then they stick their head through and then they can't pull it back out because of the way the horns, they get caught and there's, there's no way unless you come and help them. So, and that's really frustrating. That's the biggest annoyance I have. Okay. Well, that's not, that's not too bad. Glad, nah. glad you haven't had too many problems with them. No, nah. but, but yeah. Um, is there anything else you wanted, uh, wanted to talk about or, or, you know, give some detail on before we wrap terms, up like the animals and livestock and such like yeah that yeah, seems to be the general topic yeah um, yeah yeah so you mentioned pigs there real briefly and i have had pigs and i've raised pigs um pigs i feel very similar to ducks i really like pigs i always want to get more pigs um pigs have tremendous good attributes they're also really messy and really stinky and you know really horrible in a lot of ways but yeah man. i grew i grew up with pigs my dad always had like i don't know between five and a dozen so yeah yeah, yeah that was like every year we had a pig roast always had pork yeah yeah so i'm very, yeah. very familiar with pigs um yeah yeah the nice thing about it is like you know, some of the stuff that I, that I raise in butcher, it's like a little bit of a stretch to get anybody to eat it. Like uh, the duck and the goat and stuff like, yeah, I kind of eventually get my family to eat it, but no one's real thrilled about it. But everybody likes the pork. Like that's never like a struggle to get anyone to eat. So, and the pigs are easy to take care of. They eat literally anything. Awesome. Okay. Just, I just got to figure out a better way to do it. So that it's not like, atrocious uh disaster of like stinking flies and mess and stuff yeah we had we had it um my dad poured it like a concrete slab built a barn you know he did it that way um it wasn't it wasn't too bad luckily like uh they were at like the bottom of a hill and our house was on top of the hill so like you know you didn't really smell them but like when you go down the driveway and then like you start going down the road when you hit the bottom of the road (laughs) you start to smell them but they i mean it was it was never that bad um and you know the the pork more than made up for it so i I would like to do them again but like i said it's just it's just the work and trying to find the time and chickens are easy man they take me like 10 minutes in the morning 10 minutes at night if that and they're all set so i mean chickens are totally the easiest thing if you're going to get into like raising animals uh, it's super easy um ducks i'd say you know second after that really easy um if you can if you can find a smart way to deal with pigs pigs are honestly really easy too uh, one of these days i'll, I'll do pigs again i just need to do it better than what i've done it in the past 
piglets are super cute. If you have like piglets, it's super cool. Yeah. But they don't, yeah. They don't stay cute for long. No, no. <laughs> they they no, start yeah. out really cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's nice too. I have, there's a couple people I know in my area that have them that always have piglets every year. Um, so yeah. they're, they're always available. But, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely going to do pigs one day. So. Yeah, there's there's neighbors around here that have pigs, and I drive past them every day, and I'm always like, man, wish I had some pigs. But then I then I also like, but that really stinks. That's yeah. <laughs> so, well, if there's if there's not anything else, um, it was good talking to you. I don't know if you want to um, if you want to drop your plugs again and let people yeah. know where they can find you um, and all that. Best way to find me these days is probably Instagram. Uh, esoteric agriculture i have a youtube channel which i haven't been great about posting videos lately but i have like 50 or 60 videos up on agricultural horticultural topics um which you probably still gain something useful from and that's esoteric agriculture on youtube um and i produce seeds uh for you and i will do so this year if you're interested so yeah oh no i'm looking forward to it man that okra looked so awesome that's like that was really cool been so fun that okra project has been really fun really enjoying that and there's some cool stuff coming out of that so yeah nice we can talk talk more about that later also if you want to talk again sometime about yeah like how to raise chickens uh with hens like that's something i'm real familiar with okay yeah yeah we'll have to do that when i when i start thinking more about it yeah, we'll definitely do that because um, that that's really good information to kn- to know. And honestly, like as much research as I've been doing online, um, it's just like so, it's just like so much information, and some of it really isn't applicable to like the way I'm doing it. So yeah, it's it's nice to have, you know, that's why I wanted to do this because I know you, you know you're you're definitely into it and, and you have the knowledge and experience. So it's yeah. always good to good to get that. Yep. All right. Well, it was good talking to you. Yeah, likewise. Well, that's it for this episode. I'd like to thank Chris for coming on again. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Focus Seeds or check out my website, focusseeds.com. Happy growing. Peace.